And in soccer overnight, the Socceroos, a magnificent four goals to nil victory over England in the European Invitation Tournament being staged in Hamburg. It was the first time Australia have beaten England. Aussie striker Bruce Fakofibic, the hero for the Socceroos, picking up two goals. Here's some of the action. Australia goes on the attack now through Digadit. Good ball for son of a bitch. You can't skip. I can't skip. No, you can't skip now. Nice pass, Gita, who can skip. Got an edge. Little tip of it over the top of it. Fuck off your bitch. Goal of it. One nothing Australia. Fuck off your bitch to score up. And that stunned this England side. Vikanski does well. Now he can skip. So can she skip. We can all skip. Good run. Has a shot ski. Goal skip. Tunelski Australia. England can't believe it. Lost Mahalski now. Bolovic. Good Bolovic. No, I can't ski now. Got a bad stitch. Could be risky. This looks dangerous. Better not ski. He did ski, and that's going to be a penalty. Referee pointing to the spot ski. England players are not happy about that. Penalty for the Socceroos to be taken by Dwickenwitz. Makes no mistake of it. Straight into the back of the net ski. 3 nothing Australia. Got an edge. Wide ball for the Australian substitute, Smith. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Smith on for the injured son of a bitch. Who's gone off for a stitch after a bit of a grim situation a little earlier. Took a nasty knock of it. Tellurewski now, the Australian captain. This looks promising. Centre kick skate. The keeper's come out of his box. Fuck off your bench. It's a goal. That's his second. Australia 4 0 skied up. England in deep shit skate. <laughs> That's sensational. <laughs> goals, Jay wins. That's right. Did we win, Mick, or what? We didn't, mate, but it is goal. Oh, it was World Cup fever. Oh, that was oh, so funny. Goodness. That's the 12th man. If people haven't heard it before, that's a stand Australian commentary. That's. That, <laughs> oh. so, that is, uh, yeah, definitely Australian icon there. So, mate, we Australia's out of the World Cup, but people are so stoked with how they've gone because the quality was there and we everyone knew they were building. We are so happy in this country, even though we're getting booted out. Unlike the English, which look like getting their ass booted out. Or they've lost the first two games at least, so it's not pretty. So, Danny, how are you, mate? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, Mick, what's going on in your world? Uh, Mate, uh, I'm having a good good kind of patch at the moment. Last week we talked about sort of um, taking action. I had a pretty jam-packed week this week. It felt good. And I had a... A, one of those moments today where I was like, yeah, it just sort of felt like the path that I was taking right now was a good one. And, um, it sort of, uh, it brought up this idea for a topic to talk about this week. And it, maybe it's in the realm of not just business, but I'm going to use this as an example because I always bloody well do. But it, it was easy for obvious to me today that I'm on the right path, right? Keep going. But then I stopped and thought, well, how do you know when you're on the wrong path or even worse, what about when you think you're on the right path and you just keep going on it and going on it and you're not being honest with yourself? So there's a moment today where I wasn't thinking about whether or not I could be um, chasing the wrong thing or not. It just felt right, so I wasn't worried about it. But I, I just kind of started thinking about this topic and realizing I don't think I know the answer to that. This is big. Because, like, when you said that, then I had some ideas about when you know you're going the right direction, when you don't. But but there are times in your life where you just, you're getting all the evidence to say that you shouldn't. It's like the old example of Colonel Sanders and his Kentucky Fried Chicken going to 50 places and them all saying no. And you know, and we talk about Brad, he went to roughly 50 motorcycle companies before somebody would actually build him a bike or motorfo- motorcycle manufacturers. So that's why that's why that's how I'm going with with my looking for a wife. So I'm at number forty nine. So whoever I meet next is definitely the right one, and together we'll cook chicken and make motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, the next person you meet will be some guy named Hank that's driving your cab or something. <laughs> I tell you what, as you get further down the process too, you become more open minded. <laughs> look, it's been tricky because I look back at my own career and there was times when people were aggressively telling me to give up and 
I did think about it. I wondered, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't. But then, like we talked about in the other episodes, when I since I've turned forty-one, I'm really reflecting on my life. Going, Mark. Well, you, at some point, you've got to look and say, "Have you got the outcomes that you want?" And not that I would consider myself a failure. It's just a benchmark. You go, oh, you know, I thought that might play out differently, or that would happen, and and there hasn't. So you go, well, at what point do you? at least change your approach. And part of me thinks that one of the indications to to continuing is that you're making progress. And when you're making progress, it's pretty addictive. But one of the challenges with that, I actually just spoke at a school this morning and I brought up this exact example. I was like, well, if you look at those people that become famous early, because they've had so much success early, they believe that the decisions they're making are healthy and right. And so when you say to someone, look, you know, you don't really want to hang out with that crowd, that person's not a good influence, or you don't really want to dabble those drugs, then they're like, why? Like, my life's turned out fine. Maybe you need to look at your world. You know, like there's that sense of, but I haven't had the consequence. And they're getting so much reinforcement that there was, you know, so much attention, so much money, so much whatever, that they're turning a blind eye. It's almost like when the, you know, the old example, when your car's driving and you, you don't pay attention to the oil light or something and you can keep driving that car. The car won't stop. But eventually the car will die because you didn't look after it or have some dramatic injury. So it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because- Well, I do think it's, I do think it's feedback related. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, but- no. Well, I was just going to say, in my job, I have this interesting conundrum at times where I'm dealing with someone who's just plying themselves so hard and they're not making progress might be at the end of their career, for example, but I never want to be the guy that said, you couldn't do it. But also there's times to say, you you need to take a different approach or you maybe do need to let it go. It's very tricky, but I never want to be the person that said you couldn't do it. But sometimes I'm looking and I go, I don't think it can be done. And that's that's very interesting because sometimes that's part of the problem. Like- What? What's what's the problem? I was in a meeting today- with somebody that was floating ideas out on things and they were sound ideas, but you know what? It's just like, I couldn't envision them being so like, yeah, this is, this is cool. This is is work, but it's not really going to take off. And, and it was just brainstorming. So it was fine. But at the same time, like I, I wasn't that they weren't that wrapped up in it or anything like that. But I do realize that sometimes we just sort of say, yeah, yeah, that might work or that that's cool. Or no, I don't think it's going to, you know, sort of work the way you want it to, as opposed to giving somebody the direct feedback of you wasting your time. See, I've had those examples too, when people have come to me and they've gone, oh, we've got this great idea and you could do this and you could do that. And, and I can logically see that it all works. Mm-hmm. But the emotion that I'm having in my gut, the feeling I'm having in my gut is like, nah, like I don't burn for it. And even though logically you can see it works, even in that situation, I think your feeling was, no, the feeling wasn't there. But then it gets tricky because some people go, yeah, but the feeling's not there, but you mate, do something. <laughs> but really, if I had to come back to something, I'm like, well, there's a feeling associated to a healthy direction. And I know- I really believe that's what you really got to develop and the capacity to listen to is like, what's my gut saying? And then people say they don't know what their gut's saying. And my response is, well, often it's because you're not actually listening to your gut. You're having a conversation in your head and you get all cognitive. And sometimes we also haven't stepped back enough to be able to even recognize the, the emotions we're having. We're confusing our emotions and the sensation. Even Yoda says it, he goes, hmm, clouded is the dark side. Because <laughs> you can't see clearly when there's crap going on in everywhere. That's why you need to meditate and chill out, man. Yeah. I, it's a dangerous subject, though. You know it what I mean? Is. It's, um... You can see why if I'm in a situation and I've got to give someone advice on something, I'm like, well, hang on, this is tricky because what's the bloody rule for saying yes, soldier on or no, don't? I guess I've actually got some ideas for it, but... I don't know that I'm right. Yeah, I I'm strangely do too. I don't know whether they're right or wrong or whatever. But Exactly. Um, well, on your, your stuff on Overwhelm was wrong, so see how you go with this one. <laughs> I don't know about that. I was all right. Rake the leaves. I achieved transcendency. But- yeah, you did. When you gave me my- <laughs> If anybody hasn't listened to the Overwhelm episodes, go back. 
First week, I'm overwhelmed. Mick's got all the answers. Second week, how are you, Mick? I'm overwhelmed. Oh, really? How'd your advice go? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Let's try again. So, see, so, Mick, let's see if we can find out the truth. I'm not even going to engage you on that. I know. Um, I think that there's maybe potential in setting boundaries early on in terms of like trying to trying to f- sort of identify. And I haven't done this. <laughs> so it's great advice, mm. right? This is what I meant about your bloody overwhelm stuff. There, yeah, go on. Uh, good. Let's tell. Let's tell me something that definitely won't work and that's untested. We're going to release this on a Monday morning, so it can be the Monday morning quarterback episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I do think maybe that there's some value in something that's very critical. Say you're launching a new business, or you're in a new um, I don't know relationship that's gonna you're gonna jump in to the next level. Maybe there is some value in like setting something into the future or some kind of a measurable thing that says, if it gets to this point, I'm going to stop and either just stop or I'm going to stop and regather what's going on. Do you know what I mean? So maybe for a, for an athlete, that might be if I don't get into the nationals, then it's going to be time to reassess whether I'm really good for that event or not. Right. Well, and that's very difficult. I'm eating chocolate too, everybody. If you can hear me, I'm so good. <laughs> you know, because it's Australian chocolate. So good. Um, uh, it's got this one's got it's lint dark chocolate with coconut. Oh my God. Lint? What are you talking about? That's not Australian. <laughs> well, they sell it in Australia. It's not Hershey's. It's not. Oh my no, actually, no, I can't say that stuff. I can't. I'm, we are recording. Anyway, the, the, I think a good model for this is. Gambling, because you're gambling, and if you don't have a ceiling for how much money you're going to spend or a rule, then you can get just sucked into the abyss. And what sucks you in is that you put down a hundred dollars, and then you go, oh, "I've just lost a hundred bucks." And they go, "But off you put down, if you put down another twenty, though, you could get it back." So you, yeah, no, I'll put down another twenty. So you put down another twenty, now you're hundred twenty down. So the drive to get it back increases. But you don't have a boundary to get out. I I think it's a little bit like that in terms of the boundary. I think you're spot on. Although I do feel like in life, um, I'm not real sure. The moment you said gambling, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, that's actually pretty, You, that's kind of on track. But I don't know because I feel like we, day to day, it feels like there's more control than gambling. There's, our decisions are a little more measured based on actual data. and You're right. You're definitely right. But but if you look at some of the principles, one, we may not have a boundary. The second thing, because we've invested so much, we are now so invested, it's harder to get out because it's like if you go to the bank and you give them, you know, your life savings and they've got, you know, $100,000 in there and then they go under. Well, then you start taking serious action to get it out. So you spend more money to get it out because you put it in. Like, if I lend you $100, I'm going to hassle you for $100, not someone who doesn't have it. So, even with a business, someone can invest in a huge amount of business or a relationship. They go, but we've been in it for six years. And so, because we've invested so much and we don't have a boundary, now we get start to get sucked into, but this is where I've put all my eggs are in this basket. And we don't look to what the other option is. So, I feel like they're two of the fundamental principles. And I think with the boundaries... In every environment, there is there is one like the athlete can say, look, if I haven't made it by the age of, I don't know, you know, 28 or, the, you know, most recent nationals or whatever, ever then they can say, I'm going to reassess. I've definitely seen some people say, um, you know, if, if he hasn't proposed in six months, I'm out. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad one, but, these, you know, people put these boundaries in place. I think it comes down to boundaries issues initially about the progress, because but also the boundaries have, to have a time frame as well, because... I had a kid one time saying his business had gone under and had lost a lot of money. And his dad asked me to speak to him and I spoke to him and he said, yeah, I ran a really successful business for a long time. I said, mate, I'm sorry. I don't understand how you can think that that was successful. And he said, well, I met so many people, like all these people and the great friendships I've made and we had such a good time. And he was measuring his the success of his business by the relationships that he had. 
that a business business's viability is fundamentally comes down to whether or not you're making enough money to pay the bills in a sustainable way. So his measure was wrong. Well, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't you say that a measure of success could be that you've had those outcomes? If that was the outcome, I mean, nobody probably starts with the outcome. Well, yeah, I want to, I'm going to just run the business regardless of whether it's successful or goes bankrupt as long as I come out with great contacts and good fun. I mean, I'm sure no one starts with that. What, what you're saying is like you said, the, you know, the, it didn't set the boundaries, so it just ran its course. And then at the conclusion of it, looked for the good and the positive out of the situation. No, he wasn't actually doing that. What had actually happened was I had accidentally stumbled across how he was measuring all the decisions in his business from day one. So you come in, you go, oh, I haven't got 20 bucks for that. Can I give you 15? Yeah, don't worry, mate. Don't worry about it. You know, when you go into a perfume shop, you don't buy the perfume, you just spray it on yourself every day. Yeah, don't worry. Come in. Yeah, just spray it on yourself. Don't worry about it. So you're building the relationship, but your business is going under. So he had the wrong measure. And then, you know, as a result, he was, he'd gone under. Now, granted, he can look back and go, oh, it was a great experience. I learned all this stuff, but he hadn't learned. He really thought he'd run a very successful business. Like, I know you, what you did, well, you were very successful with your relationships. Where you can sort of fall into that trap of creating the wrong data, wrong measure. That's what's dangerous about it, though, isn't it? You know, like anything. I don't know. I, in some ways, uh, relationships are an interesting one because I sort of feel that's a bit more of a gut feeling drive. Do you know what I mean? Because I think if you're like asking yourself, do I stay in or get out? <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, but what are you expecting to change? It's like you're expecting somebody else to change or the only thing that could change is you in terms of that would really have a significant impact reliably on a relationship. So that would be perhaps one thing you could say, I'm going to go at the relationship at this angle instead of what I've been doing to date. And if it doesn't go well, I'm going to, you know, whatever, go our separate ways in the business, look for separation or just call it quits and stop dating. Yeah. Like I think that the gut is really important. But one of the experiences I had about oh, a fair few years ago now, but I stayed in this girl and it felt really close and it was great. And then we had this separation. You know, you just don't feel the warmth. It's just a complete disconnect. Just, 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 I don't even remember what it was. And at that point, I'd usually get out of the relationship because you disconnected. And then about a week or so later, she said something and it brought me straight back into the relationship. And I was like, suddenly the connection was there again and I found myself available again. And I'd never left and come back. And I was like, whoa. So previously my gut was saying, get out. But then something shifted, something changed, a strategy I hadn't seen before, an approach I hadn't seen before, a, a, a relationship skill in her and also in me for waiting it out perhaps. And then it brought me back in. So the gut's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you go, yeah, my gut's saying this. And I'm like, well- I think the thing to be listening to with that gut is maybe is the desire or the hope or the um, the heart still there, the interest. Like, I don't know this because, you know, because then the gambler goes, yeah, I just really think, you know, my gut says, you know, put it all on black, you know. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, like, but oh. that's what I mean. That's a gamble. and I, I don't know that that's a necessarily a true line comparison, but you're onto something interesting here. Because this is really interesting because in a relationship, right, you, you know, Liz and I have always said like a, a um, distance is to a relationship as wind is to fire. It makes the little one, blows the little ones out and makes the big ones bigger. There's something in that space, like creating space away from something that does help you get that clarity of just how important it is. And and interestingly, now that you've said that, I've realized that that's pretty true across the board, isn't it? Yeah, the old stepping back. To be able to say, like, I'm going hell for leather on this business idea and to say something like, I'm going to put 25 grand into it. And once I've hit $25,000... I'm going to spend two weeks or one month away from it, doing the bare minimum I can to just answer questions on it and see how that feels. And if I'm absolutely like connected and really like just, I can't, I just miss it too much or whatever, then I know I'm in the right avenue, but maybe I don't have the right solution yet. So keep going, 
but change the strategy or move on? I, I don't know. What do you think? I think um, in a similar way that what you just said in, in a relationship with somebody that you're dating, it's kind of creating that little bit of distance where you suddenly find out how strong that relationship is. Okay, if we look at the gambling example, there's very little skill in that. The gambler will tell you there's loads of skill, but statistically we know that that's it's not how exactly how it is. They go, well, this poker player, you know, okay, yeah, well, the baseball player too. The statistics are, you know, you're gonna you're gonna strike out more than you, times when you hit a ball. Like there's stats about it. So, but I think in other areas there's a skill set where we, which we can develop. So we've got some ownership. But it's interesting what you say about how that if we put twenty five grand in. And that's my line because there's a whole lot of issues that come up at that point. First, if we go into to an auction at a house for a house and we said the maximum bit we're going to bid is $600,000 and the auctioneer says, all right, we're at six, $601,000, $601,000. And you're like, oh, but then the auctioneer looks at you and says, sir, madam, are you prepared to lose this house because of $1,000? And you're like, oh, like, um, um, um. So you go, all right, let's do it. It's not worth losing it for that extra $1,000. So we've actually misjudged our boundary. And then the next person goes, you know, $602,000. You're like, damn it. And now we're in. Now we've crossed our line. It's not so much about how much we're prepared to put in. It's also this question about, well, how much are we, how close are we prepared to get and still get out? The other one is that Richard Branson, in one of his books, talks about how he, he anticipates costing. He said, usually people work out all their costs and then they add 20% for the profit and then they add 20% because the costs might be more than they expected. And he said, in my experience, when it comes to costs, add 80%. <laughs> because when you're in a startup phase, particularly, you just don't know. And that's where it's tricky, isn't it? Because you go, well, my, my line's $25,000 invested into this business. But you're going into an area where you're completely naive. And I think that's the same thing in relationships. You go, right, I'm going to, you know, if he doesn't propose within six months or, you know, if he can't do this or she can't do that, then I'm out. But the truth is we're going into uncharted territory. So although I'm saying there needs to be a measure, I'm also saying that measure is difficult. So I think the measure shouldn't be a rule as much as is a, like we said before, a step back, think about it, assess, can I have some time away? Well, I, I should say probably that when I brought up, for example, the example in a business of $25,000, i am just imagining that that's a threshold where you've blown through your savings of 25000 for example. So I would imagine that the threshold would be like if we keep going any further, we're like we're eating into a safety net or we're like we're not – Whatever it might be, we're like we're getting into a dangerous point where we're starting to tap into our retirement savings. Or you know what I mean. So it'd be identifying something that's like we're prepared to take a risk, but we're not prepared to intentionally be stupid. And you know, unless we really see we've got something and we've got some validated feedback from other people saying keep going. You know, um, and maybe in the same way as. I don't know, in a relationship, I don't know how you would make those markers. Um, and for that matter, in a spiritual quest or, you know, because you get the same stuff, the same things apply as people travel around the world seeking enlightenment. I, I don't know. Like, how do you know? When, how do you know when it's time to stop pursuing that thing you're trying to go after? There's that saying, it's always darkest before the dawn. And it's true, and science doesn't even know why. Oh, there'll be some listeners that will start emailing us and telling us that they know why. But in my experience, research in scientists does not, do not know why it gets darker right before the sun comes up. It's an interesting metaphor because I find many times in my life, just when I think I'm broken, just when I think I'm done and I can't handle any more, it gets worse. And then I can't see a way out. And out of the blue, something goes my way. And this is also challenging, isn't it? Because other people would get out at that point. And so when it's darkest, is it, you know, what's the decision to make to, to go? You know, that, that's fundamentally what we're saying. And is there any kind of rule? And part of me says, well, the rule is if you gave up, 
how would it feel? Now, the tricky thing here is with psychology, there's, there's clear research that says that as humans, once we make a decision, we will continue for, for a long period of time to verify that we made the right decision to tell us ourselves that it was right to, to avoid the pain. So you can go, no, it was a good decision to do that. It was a good decision to break up that person. It was a good decision to get out of business deal. But we don't know where we're right. Now, if we start to assess it less about outcome and more about looking at life through, you know, the model that I, I sort of discovered earlier in the year, but fundamentally going, if I'm just wanting to learn, my goal for my entire life is just to learn and become as wise as possible and have the capacity to love and learn. Then if we don't get the outcome, then the learning there's still victory in the learning if we learnt. But that's what I was finding with that guy that he he said, I had a successful business. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this kid hasn't learned. He thinks he can run a successful business. Yes, he can have successful relationships, but he hadn't actually learnt. So the failure was more epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Because the risk is he's going to start another one and do the same thing. Yeah. Mm. And be delusional. And I think that's my concern when I'm working with someone and in my own life. I don't want to be delusional. I gotta be honest, I made the leap into starting a company, for example. I did give a time frame. I sat down, my wife and I sat down and we just ran numbers and whatever and it was and I think this is probably the ways most people would start a business too. They looked at what's coming in right now and then like, what are we spending and, like, what have we got and how long can we last? <laughs> and that was really the way that I looked at it, and I'm sure everybody else does too, and maybe there's different or better ways of doing it, but I sure as hell didn't know it at the beginning. And so it was literally, I, I think I calculated, I had about four months. And I just needed to be able to make I, what I was working for for the first one to two years was to buy another month until I could get to the point where I felt reliably confident that I didn't need to go out and buy more months, that the months would just come because they'd been coming regularly enough. So stop worrying about that and start worrying about growing it so that I can buy some other people some months, you know, but there's got to be a point in there, right, where it's the, the fear or the, the problem. That's an initial problem, right? But then I would find it equally as scary to be in this sort of middle zone for 40 years and then pack up and go home. Like, I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do, but that's actually what I'd be more afraid of because for me it's like – I'm not actually worried about in my work life right now. I'm not worried about it like a bankruptcy type thing. Like you always worry about these things within business that something bad is going to happen that is you know overwhelmingly difficult to deal with. But day to day management is not the cause of that so much as just stuff happens and you don't see those things. So those are risks that everybody has outside of business, whatever you're in. But I've been a little bit more like, well, I, I need to just set some kind of a boundary so that I, because I don't want to spend or whatever, like 40 years trying to do the same thing better and better, but not get. And have, you found a, have you found a solution to that? Like, have you, to avoid that, like if we're talking here about putting a measure in place, have you said, well, right, by the time I'm 40, I want to make sure that I've got X number of dollars in the account or I've got um, X amount of revenue, annual revenue. Have you have you got some sort of benchmark? Because that's that's what we're really talking about putting in place, isn't it? It is. I've I do because I don't. <laughs> well, to, to the extent of how my business functions, I do. So I'm in the process of changing that. Um, and, and doing new things and trying out new, say, technologies or new ways of doing what we do so that in the space of like a 12-month to 24-month period, I could completely change the company and be doing a, taking a different role within the same industry, for example. 
And so I've, I've set up stuff like that, like, uh, flags or boundaries that are, um, because I've taken certain courses within, say, a business and said, well, this is going all right, but it's not taking off. And so it's a lot of work and I'm okay with that, but I haven't actually seen the sort of feeling of payoff that I was expecting to see yet on the following actions. So I'm not going to stop them. I'm going to keep going on them, but I'm going to be passive on these and active on something completely different and see where that leads me. And I'm not going to ditch this other thing yet, but I'm going to give that other thing like 12 months. And if it's not taking off on its own in terms of, you know, well, then I'm going to just sandbag it and move on. And hopefully by that time, I'm trusting I've got other things to kind of build upon. So when you say you'll either keep going with it or sandbag it, or you say, you know, I may not I won't put my effort into something else. I think these all these distinctions are really important because if you took, look at the example of Colonel Sanders going out and selling his chicken to 50 places, et cetera, and he might have persisted with the product, but he, he wouldn't have persisted with the same pitch. And I know when Brad did, you know, when he went to all these different motorbike manufacturers, he persisted with wanting to manufacture a bike. But that doesn't mean that the way he tried to have the conversation was the same every time. And I think some people get adamant about process. They're like, well, this is me. This is who I am, you know, especially in relationships. You love me, you accept me. I'm like, well, well I don't accept you being like that. You know, or, and you know, that's not really, you've got to be prepared to change something to make the progress. So one of the things that I'm really aware of is someone's going to apply themselves to an outcome. I'm a big one saying, okay, but look at the results we're getting at the moment. We're going to have to change something. So if you're not going to give up your outcome, then you're going to have to give up something in the process. Now, some people will go, well, if you do the process, you'll always get the outcome or the best possible outcome. And, and, and usually you, you'll find people commit to one or the other process or, or um, outcome. But I think it's important, you know, when you hear you're going to soldier on and all that sort of stuff, I think it's important to recognize, not for you, but just like for the discussion, you, you still have to change things. You still have to let go. You have to assess. You have to get feedback. Did I do that well? Can I language it another way? Can I refine it? Like the iPod's cool, but imagine if it was a cube. <laughs> Like it just wouldn't work. You can't put it in your pocket anymore, even though it's got all the same features. It would be better if it was an iPhone, though. Why, what did I say, iPod? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was but, talking about the iPod, you smart ass. Yeah. <laughs> it was first. Well, I'm going to 2014 dollar. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I want to touch on something on, like, having a plan A and a plan B, though, because I don't... I don't necessarily think you need to have a second, like a backup plan. And yeah, but I plan S- B is different to a backup plan though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Backup plan would be quit it and go back to getting a job or something if that's a business-related thing. or Because you might remember ages ago I wrote a small book called Always Forward. It's not available to everyone, so don't contact me. But- it's called always forward. So it, it, so it doesn't matter what, you don't need a backup plan, just, just go forward. So if you've been an accountant and you start your own business, well, I think go back to accountancy, you can still be an accountant, but just do it so it's an evolution. Yes. And this is what actually I was going to say. You said it way more eloquently than I was going to. Oh, thank you. That's only because I've stuffed it up about a billion times previously. <laughs> no, I have. You know, that's what happens. But, but- yeah, go on. But th- this is where plan B's come from is like when you stop and look at just about anything, no one really executes on plan A to begin with. They just start with plan A and end up with some modification of that because they continually, they, they were like committed to continuous improvement or they weren't, in which case they just went back and did something. They just stopped doing it. Maybe that was an intelligent thing, but... Okay, so on this, like, you know, they've adapted and they've evolved this strategy. I'm 100% with you. I just had this sort of clarity. The gambler. The gambler misjudges who has the most influence over the outcome. They think that they've got influence. No, 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 I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. 
where really statistically the casino has worked out the maths. They've done the maths better. I think what we do a lot in life, in relationships too, we, we misjudge. We think that the, the reverse of this in life, I think we do, where we, we think our partner is the problem and can be the solution. Or we think that the industry or the public, they just don't get it. If the public would just listen to me and we go, no, no, the way you're languaging it isn't, isn't interesting. You're not engaging them or your partner is being that because of who you're being. And I think that to go on this journey, if you're going to commit, if you're going to keep going, you have to see yourself as being the solution and to not put your hope and faith in something external. And I think that's where we have to develop the skill. Like, you know, Colonel Sanders goes and refines his pitch. You know, you're looking at your business and you go, well, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to let it sit. And I'm going to put my effort over here. And it's just a slight refinement. But you go, I, I'm not going to hope. And Brad always says all the time, he says, hope is not a growth strategy. <laughs> we can't hope our partner is going to do something. We have to go, well, who am I going to be in response to that? But often, we, even then, we're taking action, though, to change them still, where really, if you just love them, you know, a loving person does hug and is more affectionate and does open up and wants to be a better person. But when they're not being loved, they're like, well, screw you. I'll just do whatever I want then. So I think... A lot of this journey about whether I'm going to give up or not, I think one of the elements is to go, well, you've got to realize that you're 100%. That's a lot, but you've got to see yourself as the solution. Granted, something might go your way or go against you, but you've just got to make sure the thing that you're doing well is a good strategy. Yeah, I agree with that. Relationship-wise, career-wise, in a job, do I stay or go? I think even if you're wondering or testing that, I do agree. You've got to start doing something different because if you're wondering in the first place, then it means something needs to change, right? And so the automatic assumption is I need to go get a different job. And I've been in that, I want to say rut before, but I've been in that process where I feel as though no matter where I go to work, I'm not going to be happy. And I look in the past and go, but I was really happy here. If I could just go back and work there, that'd be great. But that situation didn't work for me because of geography or because of some other reason, money, whatever. But it is situational analysis, so to speak. And so you end up sitting there waiting for another job to come along, applying for 50 to 100 different jobs. And, and look, the reality is sometimes it does work out. I mean, I know plenty of people that it's worked well for, like, you know, they move on to a different job and suddenly everything just falls into line because they're just in a different culture and a place and that can happen and that's great and it's healthy, but that's a gamble too. That's a crapshoot. The way I think about that, my worldview on this, I guess, is say there's jobs coming up um, or you're applying for a few jobs. I really believe life plays out, it unfolds. So sometimes we don't need to make the decision. So we could go for a job and we go, right, I am the solution. I'm going to, I've redone my resume, I've reaccessed it and we go to the job and we could have doubts over whether or not that's a good match for us or we think it's a perfect match for us. And I think that there's a point when it just unfolds. There'll be a day when they'll decide that you should do the job and then you'll go, yes or no, whether or not you should do it. Like it, there's like this unfolding. And I feel like we live in black and white. It's like I should either give up or move forward. But sometimes it's too early to make the decision, especially with retirement of athletes. They're like, oh, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, well, there'll be a day when you'll know. And it's okay for it to be on the mind, but don't feel like you have to force it. And because sometimes, you know, an athlete goes, thank God I didn't retire. And sometimes people say, yeah, thank God I took that job. I didn't know. And I feel like until you have a definitive I don't know, influencer, like a moment of decision that you just you just can't not make that decision. I think it's okay to hold the uncertainty with some things. Or hold the opportunity there, you know, like. Mm, yeah, yeah, which is still uncertainty because you're going into something you go, oh, I don't, yeah. Because I've done the same thing too, like just, ju- oh, we're doing that with a podcast, right? It's just like just leaning into something new and seeing how that feels and not like cutting off everything else. Not like I was ever thinking this was going to be something we would do for a living, but um, it's been- Look how much money we're making from it now, Mick. (laughs) (laughs) We better put some measures in place, mate. (laughs) 
because I've got about three hours on this every week. <laughs> the, the hours of, you know, you're doing the evening, but you know, I'm losing billing hours every Friday and you haven't paid any of the invoices for my time. <laughs> and all those sponsors, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm having a great time. What are you talking about? We've been sponsored by car companies. Have we? Yeah. We've had like three episodes in vehicles. What are you talking about? Oh, because we're in vehicles. That's I- ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe mm. So, look, with all this stuff going, right, I'm, I had an experience when I was younger. I might have mentioned this in another episode where I'd been pushing my business forward and really, I look back, I was so naive. I didn't even know what my business was. All I knew is that I wanted to, I wanted to teach. I wanted to be a teacher, but not a classic teacher, you know, like you know, like, like what I do now. And I was making no money. I was just my strategy was useless, Mick. I was I had no business knowledge. I was just wake up every day, go out to my garage, my crappy little office, and you were there for a little while in the early days, Mick. And then then you went off and flourished, and I just soldiered on. <laughs> And yeah, you were here during the crappy days, Nick. Thanks, yeah, no. Mate. Well, you were there. No, I have a lot of respect. For <laughs> no, no, I got the association there. That's all right. Continue, continue. Really. Yeah, no. Well, I have a lot of respect for the time we we slugged away. But and then people would say to me, Mark, you know, it's killing you, and you should look for a job. And I did look for jobs. But I looked through the paper, and every now and then, once in a blue moon, I'd like, oh, I probably should apply for this. And but none of them, I couldn't find a box that would allow me to a box meant a job that would allow me to be who all I could be. And this, you know, happens with relationships too. Like, honestly, you know, I, I, I'm single at the moment and and there's part of me just, I haven't found a relationship. I go, this allows me. Now, I have with my work now, it allows me, but I'm always wanting to evolve it. Um, but I remember having someone I really love after about six years of working for myself, earning less than the doll. They were really worried about me and they, we were in tears in the conversation. They said, Mark, you just got to stop. This is killing you. And I said, you know, the problem is you guys don't believe in me. And they, you know, we're all crying and they're like, we do believe in you. I said, yeah, but you believe in me to here and I believe in me in me to this level. And I raised my hand quite higher and I said, so now you're just in my way. And I just ran off and I burst into tears. And I was a mess and I, I was under the huge duress of not getting the outcomes I wanted and it was punishing me. In my gut, I just couldn't give up. I just couldn't like I had a terrible strategy uh, and I really there was, you know, the way I live now is really results of just stuffing up so much that now you, you sort of get a few things right and, and you get some momentum. But I think that's probably what most people are dealing with that fundamental experience. Like I just feel like I could be more. And I, and for me, I look back, it just came down to a strategy issue. I didn't have a good strategy. And sometimes it, it just takes time. You know, you can't speed up the baking of a cake. Yeah, I agree. Although looking back, do you think that you should have taken the advice and tried something different? Well, their offer though, their solution was get a job. Stop trying to have your own business. I needed advice on the process. Like they were trying to get me to change my target. I still think that that not saying for you necessarily, but sometimes there's still sound advice in that, right? I mean, like it, but it, it if it doesn't add up, to the journey, it doesn't make sense. So, for instance, if I'm just imagining you and I in the same conversation as like whatever, 15 years ago, right? And I could imagine that it would make more sense to be able to say you need to spend three to five years working your way through a company, getting your ass kicked along the way and learning the kind of how to work your way through the boardroom so that you can come back to this with the authority you need or with the understanding of how to deliver it. Cause if you're on the other side, you get to sit and watch how other people are getting rejected and accepted and understand that process. Because that's what I think is difficult, particularly when you're starting a company without a, a long frame of reference when you're young. That was certainly my struggle when I was working with you. We'd, I'd be like in a boardroom talking to somebody that was like my dad's age and telling him how he could perform better or get more out of his employees. And I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know why he would listen to me, but sometimes it worked and other times it didn't. And so what did work for me, for example, was getting my butt kicked for a few years 
So I could see that there's sound advice, but if it doesn't sort of add up to the process, I can totally see the same thing because I've been in the construction industry since I went into college and it was probably a decision that came somewhere in my last year of high school. I was like getting interested in the idea of architecture and then got more interested in construction management. And ever since I've been in that industry and multiple times throughout that journey, I've said to myself, it's time to get out. Or in fact, there's been times when that should have come up and it didn't. And I, had I been really looking for a different opportunity, something interesting could have happened. There was moments when you and I were working together very early on where I almost just didn't even follow the path of the construction industry. Um, and it would have been fascinating to see what would have happened. But you get so far into it now that it's like, well, I don't know what else I'd do. See, that's what they say about, like, in Andre, Andre Agassi talks about that in his book, which we mentioned in an earlier episode, was that, People say, he said, I hate tennis. And they said, why do you do it? He goes, I can't do anything else. People go, of course you can. But he really didn't go to school, didn't do anything else except play tennis. He doesn't know how to navigate his way out of a paper bag. Like, he doesn't know how to. And it's easy to look from the outside and go, oh, yeah, but you could do this. You've got all this money. He goes, yeah, but I don't. I, I can't. You don't understand? I can't do anything else. I don't know what to do. And so well, now you're so immersed in the, in the industry you're in. That's why it's so difficult to transfer industries. You know, you know your field really well. And you don't necessarily want to start from scratch. And I think it's important to say, like you just said then, in my life, the number of times I've just said, Mark, just give it up. What are you doing this for? Like, this is too hard. Like, that happens regularly still. And there's other times I'm these great victories. And I think that happens. I hear that happens from, from people in marriages. And I've got, you know, close friends all around the globe and uh, that are married and you talk to them and they hear the most incredible things through personal conversations like, People say, you know, you know, like I honestly can tell you for that long time, that whole entire year, we were thinking about divorce, or at least I was, you know, and and I'm so glad I didn't because the truth is that just, you know, it was tough, but I, I I love them, and and also in in when I've made progress with the people that I advise and coach, and it's not like I'm sit back as the expert, I'm in it with them. Like I, if they succeed, I succeed. If they fail, I fail. Like it's it's not all roses. that's getting perfect. There's no perfection in what I do. There's no perfection in the process. There is just two people really caring about trying to get the outcome. But I can tell you, like, I have massive barneys with people over things because, not because we don't like each other, we're looking for the truth and we're both scared and we go, I think it's this way, I think it's that way. And people don't ever see that. Like, especially, like, I spoke to, you know, in the last 24 hours, God, I've done so many talks, I'm bloody, I'm, you know, it's, I love it, but gee whiz, it's a lot of words. But those people, they see me for an hour and they go, oh, he's got all his shit together. No. You don't. Like, it's difficult. And I think it's important just because you hit some sort of really difficult wall in whatever you're moving towards, that's not the indication to give up. But it's definitely an indication to pause, step back, and perhaps look at your approach. And and just on that, like, because you mentioned a couple of things, I like, look back when you know people may have thought they gave me sound advice to go get a job and clock my hours up in the industry, but- what I needed help was I needed someone to show me how to write my bio. I needed someone to show me how to structure a talk. I needed someone to show me how to introduce myself to clients, to get my billing right, to understand my client and how to structure information, how to have a point of difference. And that's what I didn't have. So what was happening is that people were giving me advice, but they didn't even, they didn't understand my industry. And I look back and I wish I had gone to someone in my industry and asked them for advice, but I didn't know to do that. And that's why now I go to every single, I've got a counselor for relationships. I've got a counselor for finances. I've got uh, personal coaches that I go to. I've got spiritual guides. I go to whoever I can, not because I'm broken, but because I'm like, I stuffed up so badly when I was young. Let's not do that again. Because <laughs> it was shit, you know. It took me 20 years to get here. I don't reckon it needed to. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think right from the get-go, it's not the kind of thing I would, I feel like I'm pushing for an answer on it. It's just an interesting uh, territory to explore because I don't. <laughs> You're right. There's not a there's not a black and white answer, but there'll be people listening to this in all sorts of stages of their life with finances, relationships, career, health. Do I keep going? Like just so many questioning their faith because I've gone the same journey with my faith, 
All I can say is to sort of close this off is I I go on about this and I don't mean to repeat for people who are regular listeners, but just move towards what would be a loving action and what would let love flow and, and move towards being smarter, wiser, like knowledge, like, and I think the question is what would love do now? And, you know, love is, is brave. And sometimes a brave action is to continue and sometimes a brave action is to finish. And I definitely don't know the answer, but that's how I try to do it. Look how good my life's turned out. <laughs> it's, it's, some days it's great. Yeah, I'm so good. Other days I'm like, ah, damn it. That's a, that's a nice way to sum up, though. I like that. I think that uh, it's got some wisdom to it, mate. That's a perla. I think it's a... Uh, it's a good guiding principle that probably applies across the board there um, because I think it, it steps out of the situational dynamic and just looks at the feeling. And I think you're right because all good feelings are feelings of love, but really that's that's a good way to capture it. Well said. And you are the wind beneath my wings, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, ever, uh, did you ever know that you're my hero? <laughs> uh, you're everything I ever wanted to be, mate. Oh, thanks, yeah. mate. Thank you. Hey, oh, so I'll catch you now. Hey, now, the next week, are we locking in? Like, I know earlier in the series we said we're going to meet with these people and that people, and we didn't do it because logistically it's just a bloody nightmare. But we chose a new topic for next week, didn't we, Mick? If we're locking into it? We are. We're going to talk about loneliness. Because all those people are getting evicted from the World Cup right now. <laughs> but, no, but we're talking about loneliness, people. So if that's a topic for you or any of your, your circle, uh, we're going to have a red-hot go. And we didn't do it this week because we're really going to pause and ponder it. And we're going to do it over two weeks. That's the topic of loneliness. So we are excited to have you and your friends and community on board. Um, and let's just share the love. Mick, it's always a pleasure. It is, my good friend. So... Um Happy days. We'll uh, we'll talk next week. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, hero. <laughs> See ya. You've been listening to Risking Failure. To join the community and access more free content, news, and updates, subscribe at riskingfailure.com. <laughs>